Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm Mike Fitzpatrick. Are we still a bubble team? Part of me thinks we're in the big dance, but the other part of me says not so fast. We have two tough road games this week at Northwestern and Nebraska. Michigan great and current radio color analyst on the Michigan Basketball Network, Terry Mills, says he wants to see the team play like they are still on the bubble, and I agree. Terry will join us in just a moment on our game day segment with his thoughts on Michigan hoops. First, a few news and notes to get us started. Spring football practice gets underway in just a couple of weeks. Until then, we have plenty of other things to hold our attention. It's the final week of the regular season for men's basketball, as we just mentioned. Coach Barnes-Arico and her team have had an outstanding season and should be headed to the women's NCAA tournament, but first things first. The Big Ten tournament gets underway this week in Indy for the ladies. We have a double bye into the quarterfinals and will play Friday night at 9 p.m. Best of luck to Coach Barnes-Arico and the ladies as they continue their march to the ladies' big dance. Coach Carol Hutchins and softball have retooled and are off to a good start through the first two weeks of the season. They are out in California this week playing in the very tough Judy Garman Classic. Big things are also expected from Coach Bakic and baseball this year. They too are off to a good start and will spend spring break this week out in California with a full slate of action. Coach Red Berenson and his team are heading down the home stretch in what has been a very disappointing season. Once again, fans are speculating as to whether Red will be back next year or call it quits on a brilliant career. It will be, after all, a rebuilding job the next uh, couple of years or so. So we should get an answer to that question in the coming weeks. Terry Mills has said all along that Coach B would put the pieces together as the season unfolded. But his patience would be required, and the fans. Coach B's and our patience is being rewarded. Michigan is firing on all cylinders right now, and it couldn't come at a better time, as we all know. There is still a lot on the line this week. Two road games with Northwestern and Nebraska still could help determine whether Michigan is in or on the bubble heading into Big Ten tournament play next week. Michigan great team Mills joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. here on our game day segment this week to talk about a great week in Michigan hoops is Michigan great and color analyst on the IMG Michigan basketball radio network Terry Mills Terry great to have you back with us hey thanks for having me Mike well I'm not sure most Michigan fans thought we could beat Purdue the way they were playing heading into the weekend but man Michigan came to play they just brought it on Saturday against the Boilers didn't they yeah I mean it, it, it was a tall order there's no doubt about it I mean Purdue was playing exceptionally well and I think when you look at this Michigan team, they knew they had to have that game. That was kind of a resume builder. And, you know, I still want them to have the attitude of they're not in yet. You know, they need a couple more wins and and kind of get greedy if they will, because uh, you definitely don't want to leave your hands in the the hands of the uh, committee by saying, well, they didn't have a signature win. Oh, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. So, 
I think Michigan just needs to continue to win. Well, Terry, right now we're seeing some players on this young roster. A lot of the young players, I should say, blossom before our very eyes uh, here in the stretch run. No one more than Mo Wagner. Was he out of his mind hot on Saturday or what? Yes, he was. I mean, he, he had just really got into a groove, into a flow, and, you know, his teammates started looking for him. And, you know, Mo brings a lot of energy, and that's the way he plays the game with a lot of emotion. And, that kind of feeds off, you know, we've got a lot of players on our team that, you know, a lot of guys are real silent, but most kind of outgoing. So to have that mixture like that and, and let Mo get going and, you know, I think it fueled him, you know, being able to get defensive stops. I think a, a lot of that kind of went under the bridge that, you know, he played solid defense on Hots and on, uh, on uh, Biggie Swanson. So, Swanigan. So, I mean, for him to get it going offensively, what was just a plus for Michigan. And you know what was interesting, uh, Terry? Before the Purdue game, we were worried about matching up with Purdue's big guys, but the matchup problem turned out to be theirs. Uh, Swanigan and Haas had to come out high to uh, to pick up Mo, and you don't want those guys playing D 25, 20 feet from the bucket. That was a huge problem for them, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, you know, when you look at the game of basketball, it's kind of like a chess match, and it's pretty much, you know, who gets established first. And, uh, I thought, you know, Mo got established right away by, you know, bringing the bigs out away from the basket and being able to take them off the dribble. And that's a luxury that Coach John Beeline and his staff has. I mean, not only with Mo Wagner, but DJ Wilson can also provide that where he can, you know, take a big out on the perimeter and go to the basket. So it was all about who got established first. And I felt like Michigan got established first. And you know, you had Purdue back on their heels, and they had to make the adjustment. And we're talking about a Purdue team, Terry, that is one of the best defensive teams in the Big Ten. And it just goes to show you, with the evolution of uh, Mo Wagner, when he comes out, as you said, early and sets the tone, that is a problem for just about anyone that's going to defend Michigan, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, when you look at that Purdue game, it was kind of one of these games with Michigan where, you kind of got to pick your poison. You know, do, do you want to try to do what you can to take away the bigs inside, or do you want to defend the three-point line? Because, you know, Purdue is number one, you know, in the Big Ten in uh, uh, three-point field goals. So I thought Michigan did an exceptional job on both. And when you talk about, you know, defending their bigs in the lane, I thought they kind of kept them off balance with, you know, sometimes double-teaming sometimes front the post, sometimes doubling from baseline, coming from the top. So it really kept a guy like Swanigan kind of off balance. He didn't know where the double team was coming and what was going to happen. Well, another player that I'm just so happy to see uh, getting his due and playing well is Derek Walton Jr., playing the best basketball of his career, Terry. And it's not that he's had a bad season, but he has picked it up in this last month or so. He's putting on a clinic right now over the last month of what you want from a point guard, isn't he? Yes, he is, and probably a little bit more, but that's the way that Derek Walton Jr. has always been. You know, I had an opportunity to see this young man play in high school. And he was called a, you know, a stat stuffer, if you will, because, you know, he rebounds, he assists, you know, he shot the ball exceptionally well, he played strong defense. I mean, you can look at this kid at the end of a game in high school and just about every box is filled up with good numbers. So now you're getting a chance to see that at Michigan because, I mean, he's got to be in my book. I don't know. I haven't even looked at the stats, but 
from a point guard standpoint, I mean, he's got to be leading the nation in, in rebounds from a point guard standpoint. Well, I know it's crazy. I mean, that's one thing. We saw the 17 points and the, the beautiful assist to Mo Wagner out high on Saturday. But then you look at the end of the day, 11 boards from your point guard. That is simply amazing. Yes, it is. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy, a small guard that's down there. And those rebounds he's getting, I mean, are not bouncing out around the foul line. I mean, he's in the pain. And I actually seen him get a couple rebounds over, over Swanigan. So, I mean, he's in there trying to rebound and just has a neck for the basketball. And, I mean, that's just a plus for Michigan. I mean, he rebounds so well from the guard position. Well, there have been a lot of contributors to this turnaround as we head down the stretch run, Terry. Let's talk about a few of them and get your take on them. The first one is DJ Wilson. And I know the knock on DJ is he sometimes disappears for stretches of times uh, during the game. But when he gets active, as he did on Saturday, he's another player that changes how teams have to defend Michigan, isn't he? Yes, he is. And I mean, DJ's trying to really kind of find his way. I mean, he's really exploded on the scene and you know, they, I think they're still trying to get the concept into DJ that the fact that he can affect the game in other ways. It just doesn't have to be his score. And I think one of the areas that I've seen that he's kind of exploded on is his defense and shot blocking. I mean, he's had some major shot blocks at crucial times. So, you know, a lot of times you don't get a credit for your strong defense because, you know, everyone likes to look at the highlights, the scoring and things like that. But I think he's doing a good job overall. And really in the paint, maybe not the only, but he seems to be the only one we have right now that is a good shot blocker. Yes, he is. And I mean, he's blocking them. And, you know, that's something that Michigan hasn't had in some time is a rim protector. You know, uh, when that defense is broke down and, and teams get into that paint, they were pretty much scoring at will. But now when you got that threat back there that a guy can send it back the other way with a blocked shot, these guys kind of a little reluctant to make a pass in the lane that they normally wouldn't make. So that that's something that has evolved with this Michigan team is DJ Wilson being able to block shots. Well, one of my favorite players on this team, Terry, is uh, Muhammad Ali Abdur Rockman. He's just one of those guys that his numbers don't jump out at you, but he goes to the hole. He can pop a three. Not nervous in crunch time about taking a shot either. And most nights he gives you very good on-ball defense. You just cannot overlook what he brings to this team, can you, Terry? No, you can. And, I mean, that guy seems to respond when the times get tough, uh, especially when the shot clock gets down. He's one of those guys that, outside of Derek Walton, that I'd love for him to have that ball in his hands with the shot clock going down because not only can he knock down the shot, he's able to get to the basket and not only create for himself, but create for others. And uh, with that shot clock running down, Michigan doesn't have a lot of players that can do that. And in my opinion, it's probably right now, Derek Walton and uh, Rockman is, is, is the two that I'd like to have in, in their hands with that clock running down. Yeah, me too. I agree with that. Uh, one of the things I noticed about Rockman, I don't, maybe it's just me, but in January and early February, he wasn't going to the hole like you'd like to see him. And that seems to really turn his whole game around when he just takes it physically to the hole. Then he gets open on the outside. So much more comes from his game when he does that. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's something that kind of gets his game going is, is when he starts playing that downhill style basketball where he's trying to get in the paint and either, you know, score or either drawing and kicking it out for guys for open shots. So I think that once he gets that concept in his head and 
these last few games. That that's been his mission. So I mean. Right now, I think he's playing good basketball. Yeah, I agree with that. Another player that's uh, contributing, maybe not a lot of minutes, but it's Duncan Robinson. Yeah, I know he's a, a defensive liability at times, although I think he's picked it up on that end lately, too. But he's one of those, uh, you know, microwave kind of shooters, maybe not like a Vinnie Johnson, but he he's one of those guys that can come off the bench, can start drilling threes. And he's also looking much more comfortable with his game now, Terry. Yes, he is. And I think, you know, the the staff is doing a good job at when he does get in there, it's pretty much trying to dial him up to get him going. A la Benny Johnson, you know, with the Detroit Pistons, you know, not wasting any time that when he gets in the game, now he's starting to hunt for his shot. And, you know, I, I don't look at a shot that he takes as a bad shot because he has unlimited range. And I asked Coach Beeline at the coaches show that I was starting to see his defense pick up and, you know, I think he's starting to be rewarded, you know, by minutes being played because of his defense. Usually, like you said before, he was a liability maybe, and all of a sudden you would see a lot of post-game situations where he was being substituted defense for offense situations. And right now I think that, you know, from a coaching staff and me from a broadcaster eyeballing it, you know, you probably can take a chance on him now because he's kind of on the same page and he's playing – tough defense and he's rebounding in traffic yeah he's doing a lot of things better when we saw that the last time out the inbounds played just at the end of the first half on saturday and you know coach b gets duncan in there you know why he's in there and purdue knows why he's in there that was a sweet shot falling away in the corner though wasn't it yes it was i mean he did not hesitate uh his number was called and he was actually ready to shoot the basketball where you know a lot of times i look at duncan robinson where He's actually catching and not necessarily has his body squared up for the basket ready to shoot. You know, might be kind of turned off a little bit, but, you know, like I tell him all the time, you're a shooter. There's no need to be gun shy. And, you know, you've got to have your gun cocked and ready to shoot all the time. Well, Terry, I'm sure I'm missing some guys in this uh, mix of players we've been talking about, but uh, another kid I'd like to mention is Xavier Simpson. When you were on the show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what a big adjustment it's been for Xavier this year, coming from high school to the speed and everything that goes on in a, a Division One game. But you said his on-ball defense has been very good this season, and he just needed time. Now we're seeing he and Derek on the floor at the same time. He's been contributing some big minutes, Terry. Yeah, Yes, he has, and he, he's come along. I mean, I, I'm sure that it, it took time for, you know, the coaches staff to kind of figure out, you know, what was going to get him more time. And Coach Beeline had talked about probably dialing back just a little bit because he was probably getting a lot of, you know, plays, a lot of information, and he just wasn't processing it as fast. So I think that when he is in the game and you know, along with a Derek Walton, Derek kind of relieves him and kind of takes that, that kind of pressure off of him, and he's allowed to play his game right now. And tell you what, his confidence has got to be sky high right now. I mean, he's going to the basket and finishing at the basket, and it's something that I waited on. I mean, because you look at this kid's stats coming out of high school, you know, 63, 65, you know, I'm just waiting for him to kind of have that mentality, you know, take a few shots. Let me, let me see what you got here. So he's starting to show that now. And I mean, you're on a team that has a, a lot of offensive weapons. And I think that he was probably looking to pass first and kind of fit in. Well, right now he's kind of getting in attack mode and 
finish him when he has the opportunity. You know, Terry, when you look at this team in January and you've seen them all along the way, we've seen the progress of DJ Wilson. We've seen Mo Wagner just explode on the scene. Now we're seeing Xavier Simpson, another one of the coveted freshmen come in and really start to contribute. These are things I couldn't have imagined happening in January, but just think from January to now, what a different team this really is. Yes, it is. It's a different team. And, you know, one person I give a lot of credit to is Coach John Beeline because, you know, he took all the blame during that time. And he said that, you know, he's the captain of this ship and he has to figure it out. And I think he did figure it out, you know, whether it was putting players in position, which I think he's an excellent coach at putting players in position to succeed and finding out what fits best, what combinations are working best. And um, I'd say he figured it out because, I mean, everybody is starting to contribute at a high level right now. It's amazing, Terry. You and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Coach B's history of making his teams better in the back half of the season. And I'm sure a lot of people were saying, "Eh, maybe not this year. But we're seeing it happen again, aren't we? Yeah, we're seeing it happen. And, you know, we're we're in a society right now that, you know, I like to call it a microwave society is that we want to see stuff done right away. You know, I mean, it, we, we don't have time to kind of wait and watch the development because the success that Michigan had that, you know, you want to see it all the time. And, you know, when you lose a lot to the NBA and the players have to develop, it takes a little time. And Michigan has lost a lot, you know, to, to the NBA and, you know, now you got a younger class coming in, guys transferring. I think right now they're starting to, to, to click and finally starting to get a steady base. you know knowing who you can depend on. you know knowing who's going to come back the following year. So I think that if you can continue to do that and move forward, you'll have a lot of success. With us here on our game day segment this week is Michigan great and current color analyst on the IMG Michigan Basketball Radio Network, Terry Mills. Terry, another guy I wanted to mention is Zach Irvin. He has given so much to this program over the last four years, and I think we'd all like to see him finish big, but he just cannot seem to get his shot back right now, can he? No, he can't, but I mean, I give him a lot of credit. He's hanging in there defensively, just can't seem that. I don't know if it's his legs. He just can't seem to get his shot going right now. But the good thing about that is other players are starting to step up, and as long as you're winning ball games. No, nobody really care about how, how you're not shooting. You know, just make sure, and I always tell players, make sure that, that you win the ball game and everything else will take care of itself. So, you know, and Zach's credit and the coaching staff's credit that, you know, Coach Beeline, no matter what he's done, Coach Beeline has, has backed him 100% and say, hey, I'm going with him. You know, um, I'm not going to change anything. I'm going with him. And, I mean, that's just a sign because, I mean, we've been on this guy and he supported us for four years. And what would this team be without him? So, I mean, I give him a lot of credit. And I think he will get back on track. And one thing I know about him is that he's a street shooter. You know, I mean, he's not a just knock-down shooter. In my book, he's a scorer. He's a guy that if he can get one or two baskets going, he can start running them off. He's one of those type of players. He's real streaky. So. um I think he did that up in uh, up in New Jersey, you know, where he had got a couple baskets, and next thing you know, he's got 10 or 12 at halftime. So he's a very streaky shooter, and 
I think that as long as he keeps his confidence, he'll be okay. Well, and he's taking good shots, too. He was getting clean looks on Saturday. He was two for eight. Yeah, I know. As you said, he's a streaky shooter. And when you're a shooter, you just have to keep shooting, don't you, Terry? Yeah, you've you got to keep shooting. And I, I, don't, I don't want him to get in a position where he starts to question himself because some of the shots that he's missed has been way off, you know, not, not even close. So I think a lot of that becomes you starting to question yourself starts to sink in mentally because I mean he shot those shots over and over again probably a thousands and millions of times so it's about him getting in his comfort zone get his legs under it and just take that routine shot that he normally takes well we all want him to uh, get out of the funk and contribute with his shooting but a couple of things that I I really like that you can't replace in that lineup is his senior leadership and the other thing I don't think he gets enough credit for is his on-ball defense he usually draws a really tough assignment his D's been very good Yes, it is. And, and, you know, when you look at, at Zach Irvin's build and his makeup and the makeup and, and, and the build of other teams in the Big Ten, night in and night out, Zach could be giving up maybe two inches and maybe 30, 40 pounds in some instances. That, there was a point in that ball game where he had to defend Caleb Swanigan. And I thought he did a solid job, you know. So a lot of times he's kind of, you know, underhanded, if you will, but I mean, he battles and he fights and, you know, he, he gets in those positions. He's not backing down. So uh, a lot of those defensive principles and things like that seem to kind of go by the wayside because, as I said before, we're in a society where we want to see dunks, we want to see shots, and, you know, ESPN is not going to show a, a solid defensive effort by Zach Irving. You know, they showed Mo Wagner getting hot, making three-point shots, and, you know, Garrett Walton finishing at the rim. and. Those are the things that you see, but, you know, from a, a guy that's played this game for a long time, I, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure the coaching staff does too, that I can see that, you know, he, he's there on his rotations. He's there defensively. He's doing the thing that it takes to win a ball game as a team. Amen. I agree with that. Well, the other phase of the game we've talked about a lot this season, Terry, is the team defense and boxing out uh, when you're on D. All of a sudden, uh, the defense has been one of the huge factors in this run. We're rebounding better. It seems to me we're boxing out better. How can you explain why all of a sudden the defense is that much better? Well, I think just focusing in at what the task is at hand and understanding that if you don't block out, that that's what teams are going to say. Teams are going to say, this is the recipe to beat Michigan. Just, just drive it in the paint, take it to the basket. Let's not settle for jump shots. And Michigan was giving it up a whole lot, you know, and uh, we go up to Rutgers and Rutgers are averaging 15 offensive rebounds a game. And, you know, during the pregame, Coach Beeline talked about, hey, we've got to find a way to get these guys off the boards. you got to box out. And sometimes you could say that and don't get it done. But I thought Michigan stayed connected. They understood what the task was at hand and they stopped it and done what they had to do and, and trusted in one another. And, at the same time, that's the same thing they did against Purdue. They kind of held each other accountable, saying, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be there for the double team when you need me. And when you do that, you can you can go a long way as a team. No, absolutely. I agree. And uh, Coach B, about mm, five or six weeks ago, was talking about the lack of communication on defense, a step slow on rotations. But you watch that team, especially Saturday. 
the blow buys, very few blow buys. And we got used to seeing a lot of the blow buys earlier in the season. But the help defense is the thing to me that jumps out when you had Swanigan and Haas out there. The switches and the help was so good Saturday, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You know, I think defense and, and, and the team concept starts with the word trust. And knowing that if we're supposed to double team, I can tell Derek, I'm going to be there calling that screen off for you, and I'm going to be there on the double team. And at the same time, when that guy rolls to the basket, when Moe's guy rolls to the basket, your teammates got to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on top of it. I'm going to be on this guy when he rolls, and this is where you need to come when you come out of that double team. So a lot of times, if you can communicate, it can take away a whole lot of mistakes and, and make up for a lot of uh, things going wrong. Well, we finished the regular season on the road at Northwestern and Nebraska this week. Not going to be easy to win at either of those places. Do you think as we begin this week, we're in the tournament already, or do we need to get at least a split on the road this week? Well, I think we need to get a split, and then not only a split, it'd be nice to to get both of these games. And I, I want this team at this point in time to be to get greedy at this point in time because I feel like, you know, as the Big Ten season has went on, you look at a lot of teams who are very strong at home, and that's including Michigan. You know, they can take care of business at home. And, you know, I told my partner, Matt Shepard, that I actually really like Michigan's chances playing on a neutral floor in the Big Ten tournament. I, I would have to side with Michigan playing on a, on a neutral site. I don't know what it is because I've played in the Big Ten, but I don't know what it is about teams when they play at home, they play that much better, you know, and I can't say that the outcome would have been different, but I can tell you what, it would have probably been a whole different fight if that game is not at the Chrysler Center and it's down in Purdue. So um, that's just the way the Big Ten season goes. Yeah, it's been a crazy Big Ten season. I know a couple of weeks ago, I think the last time you and I talked, we were thinking maybe five, maybe six teams. Now you've got Wisconsin going backwards. You've got Michigan State surging, playing good basketball right now. You've got Minnesota playing very good basketball. And we're right in that mix. And, you know, Saturday, the guys on uh, on the network coverage of the game were saying, Michigan's in. This did it. But, you know, when you look with two games left at what's happening, how many teams are going to get in from the Big Ten? There's all of a sudden six or seven, maybe. Yeah, maybe six, maybe seven. I mean, you got a point there. And I, I can tell you one guy that doesn't want to hear that, we're in and we still have work to do is Coach Beeline. If I walked up to him right now and said, hey, Coach, we're in, he'd probably put his hands over his ears. And, I mean, one thing that he probably wish he had some some moss that he could put over all his players' ears and don't want to hear that, that we're in. Uh, yeah, we're set. We're a lot or anything like that. Because I've seen stranger things happen. And right now I think with Michigan, if they can continue to win, then – they, they could be, make make it better for themselves, you know, with, with a position and probably move up from a nine to maybe a seven or a six if that's what it is and maybe even play closer back towards home. I mean, the last time I looked, they had them at a nine and it was at Salt Lake City and then out on the West Coast. So I think Michigan should probably work on trying to improve that and, you know, maybe try to stay in the Midwest or something like that and, 
only way you can do that is by winning ball games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to go into Northwestern this week and then uh, to Nebraska next Sunday night. Northwestern, that would be a nice resume-building win on the road, too. There's so much that's going to happen in this next week, and then with the conference tournaments, you really need to get these two. These are, to me, still must-win games. Yeah, they're, they're must-win games, and, and I'm sure that Northwestern is looking at it the same way, that it's a must-win game for them. Because, like you say, they, they're starting to tail in the wrong direction. Two weeks ago, they were almost a lot to get in. Now, all of a sudden, they started losing a couple games. And, and now, you know, are, are they on the outside looking in? You know, and I, I made a comment saying that, you know, Michigan goes up in the Rutgers. They say that we're in. And then all of a sudden, if you lose a ball game like that, you're in a bad discussion now. You're on the discussion of saying last four in. So they had nothing to lose. So I think right now, you know, you win or lose a game and, you know, Joe Lenardi may say you're in, he may say you're out. The last four in, last four out. So I just think you just need to continue to build your resume and continue to win basketball games. And I think a a long-term realistic goal for Michigan is they should be shooting for possibly trying to get a double buy for the Big Ten tournament. Absolutely. And and that would – and that, that, that's something to actually play for because if you could get a double buy, it could, you could buy yourself a little, little rest or whatever. But if you start falling down and you lose these two, you can have a quick turnaround and say, play Sunday night. Got to leave out on Tuesday. What? Maybe play Wednesday. I, I, I don't know what the schedule is that far ahead, but that would totally be a quick turnaround, especially with Michigan playing that late at night in Nebraska on, on Sunday. So I just think Michigan just got to, they, they got to win out and continue to win. It's going to be an interesting week uh, for Michigan hoops to say the least. And then we have, of course, as you just mentioned, the big 10 tourney coming up in DC the following week, which should be fun. So we'll see what happens. My guest today has been Michigan great and current color analyst on the Michigan basketball network, Terry Mills. As always, Terry, a pleasure having you on the show. And I hope we can get you back in March and be talking about what is a nice run in the, the big dance. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me. Quick Hits is coming up next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. On quick hits today, Penn State's Kalia Mitchell hit one free throw with 5.6 seconds remaining to break a 75-75 tie as number 25-ranked University of Michigan women's basketball fell 76-75 on Sunday at the Bryce Jordan Center. Michigan had the ball with 32 seconds remaining and the score tied at 75. Sophomore Hallie Tome found a cutting Nicole Munger out of a double team, but Munger's layup attempt fell off the rim. Tome was called for a foul trying to grab an offensive rebound, sending Penn State's Mitchell to the line. Following the one-make, freshman Kizre Gondrzic drove the length of the floor, but the ball was knocked out of bounds to end the game. Michigan got 20-point games from Gondrzic, who tied her career high with 25 points, and junior Caitlin Flaherty, 22. Tome chipped in 14, junior Jillian Dunstan had 6, and Munger had 5 off the bench. U of M shot 45.6% from the floor, and held a 33-32 advantage on the boards. Michigan has secured its fourth top three finish in the Big Ten, 
and will be the number three seed in the upcoming Big Ten tournament. U of M received a double bye and will be in action on Friday at approximately 9 p.m. in the final game of the day at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Hockey defeated Ohio State 1-0 to split the weekend Big Ten series on Saturday night at Value City Arena. The Wolverines withstood 20 shots from the hosts in the final period to hold on for the 1-0 victory. Senior goaltender Zach Neglevert registered a season-high 42 saves while registering his fourth career shutout. With the win, Michigan improves to 81-38-13 all-time in the series against Ohio State. The Mason Blue will host Minnesota this weekend in its second-to-last regular season series. Earlier in the year, Michigan dropped a pair of games to the Gophers in Minneapolis, 5-2 and 4-2. Michigan is 10-17-3 overall, 3-11-2 in the Big Ten. The number 14-ranked University of Michigan softball team went unbeaten against a pair of ranked opponents on the final day of action at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic, battling to a 5-5 tie against number 1 Florida State before shutting out number 21 Arizona State 3-0 on Sunday at the Big League Dreams Complex. The Wolverines, who are 9-4-1, will remain in the Golden State for spring break, heading next to Fullerton, California, for their annual appearance at the Judy Garman Classic, slated to start Thursday and run through Saturday at the Anderson Family Field. U of M will open play with a rematch against Florida State at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Time on Thursday. All Judy Garman Classic games this weekend will be streamed live on flowsoftball.com. Five scoring innings and 13 hits propelled the University of Michigan baseball team to an impressive 10-3 victory over Santa Clara on Sunday evening in the final game of the Jack Gifford Memorial Tournament. The Wolverines finished the tournament with a flawless 3-0 record in route to the tournament title. Michigan is 5-2 to start the season. They will stay in California this week with a full slate of action again because it's spring break here in Ann Arbor. A reminder to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Michigan Man. And if you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the program. Thanks in advance. So that will do it for another week. We'll be back again next week with all of the latest news from a very busy Michigan sports schedule, so I hope you'll join us. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!